Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. We cannot start this episode. We can absolutely not start this episode without thanking the following people who went to our Patreon.com and support the show. So thank you. Bill Dixon. Fangirly. Jack Connolly. Alice Kazanis. Derek Haynes. Melanie Harker. Dr. Jason Woods. Allison Keen. Battle Mat Fitness. Westbourne East Bread. John Richard Helter II. Dave Trumbor the Third. Damn it, again. And the one and only Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, listeners out there, if you want to get on this list of super cool people, we'd love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U to see how you can support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the back alley, I'll be your junkyard cat, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always and terrorizing the neighborhood since 1984, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, bud? Uh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. You out there just caterwauling, carrying on? Having yeah. a good time? <clears throat> well, I'm about to, uh, I'm about to get a, a live performance in this back alley right here. I mean, that's why I'm here. I got yeah, the, no. Saw the flyer. Well, I mean, yeah, I know we came. We have uh, we have uh, somebody who's about to perform do a little bit of operatic uh, cat meowing music in the background. Are you doing operatic us. or operatic? Am I watching Oper- a surgical operation or an opera performance? Both. But I thought so because it was spelled both ways on the flyer, so I was a little confused. Right. Well, that's isn't that a homophone? I don't know probably. if we can say that in this day and age, but yeah, that's probably. Oh come is. on, Jesus. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm looking forward because uh, guess what? Coming on to stage right now to perform in this back alley, we've got Washington, D.C.-based performer and artist Alex Kazanis. Welcome, Alex. Hey, hey, hey. It's a great day. Applause, applause. <laughs> so uh, you're just going to do a bunch of meows now, right? It's just a lot of just kind of, you know, clearing your throat and then just like meow, 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 Conjure meow, up meow, your meow, best meow. Mel Blank. Yeah. <laughs> eh. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, that's all he ever did, because yeah, I it's... honestly couldn't tell the difference between his character and his <laughs> he, most famous characters. Heathcliff and Bugs Bunny. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, paid a lot of money to do, uh, to do a Bugs Bunny voice. You have to wonder, at the, at the end of somebody's, like, towards the end of somebody's career, like, once they've, they've hit kind of critical saturation with Bugs Bunny, why Heathcliff? That's the career question that I'm interested in answering tonight. We won't get to the bottom of this. Dave's making the sign for money. He made always that am. sign for money last week. It's always mm-hmm. the money. Always funny to do on an audio podcast to make a visual joke. <laughs> the finger thing means taxes. Oh, no, he's playing a violin, right? <laughs> the smallest one. <laughs> that he just bought with his Heathcliff money. Uh, <laughs> guys, speaking of Heathcliff money. Mm. We wouldn't be here today, and we wouldn't be able to have this wonderful conversation. We wouldn't even be we wouldn't be here today, which we totally would be here today. But don't worry. But we are very excited to have some Heathcliff money in the form of our sponsor that we have this week. And so, to learn a little bit more about our sponsor for this week, we're going to turn it over to our good buddy Bobby Anthem. Bobby, take it away. Hey, SMC listeners, Bobby Anthem here to tell you about our first sponsorship with Spunk Lube. Yeah, that's right. Spunk Lube. Look, we know you're listening to a podcast about cartoons, but let's be honest. 
you're not a kid anymore. So when you've got adult things going on, reach for Spunk Lube. Our SMC listeners have a chance to get lucky and win a free sample of Spunk Lube. But right now, everybody can get some of this special offer. Go to spunklube.com and use the offer code SMC at checkout to get 10% off any order. That's spunklube.com and use the code SMC for 10% off your order. Now, on with the show. Sexy as always. Always. That is the kind oh. that is the kind of cat that I want to have meowing in the backyard alley. Wow. What? <laughs> that is the kind of cat you want to have meowing in the back. The the innuendos there. Oh, damn it. I love it. Busted on this one. I love it. That's strong wordplay. Bobby, I'm not not mixing words with that friend. I'm just simply saying awesome to have you do this for us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are we talking about tonight? Oh man, we were talking about Heathcliff. Uh, we were talking about Heathcliff, and it turns out that because this is Listener Appreciation Month, we had somebody on the Twitter, somebody named The Garb, who wanted us to do this uh, with a Garb with two Bs. The Garb really wanted oh, us to not get that other in. Garb. Yeah, not the guy, not that other Garb, but at The Garb wanted us to get into some Heathcliff. And so, The Garb, get ready, buddy. This is for you tonight. Oh, it's not a, not a pen name for Garbfield. <laughs> Like, oh, let's hear this. Let's hear these guys talking about the other, the other orange cat. Yeah, like a Gazorpazorp. Oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we are. Uh, we're talking about Heathcliff. And if you are not familiar with Heathcliff, let me give you a little bit of history. Heathcliff, aka Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats, and that is Cadillac, not Cadillac with the D. Oh, so you see, we're already in Punville tonight is an animated television series produced by Deke Entertainment that debuted in September of 1994 and was the second series based off of George Gately's Heathcliff comic strip. It ran its syndication until 1988 with a total of 86 episodes. So it passed our 65 for syndication mark, which was pretty great. For better or worse. With each episode, including an additional segment featuring the Cadillac Cats. And so for a lot of these episodes... A lot of these 86, they are broken into one Heathcliff-specific episode and then one specific Cadillac Cats-specific episode. Occasionally, they would have some crossovers. The first show, based on the comic strip, was Heathcliff and Dingbat, Heathcliff and Marmaduke, (laughs) which debuted in 1980 and was produced by Ruby Spears. So again, this was Heathcliff and Dingbat, and then with a slash in it, Heathcliff and Marmaduke. Because if you weren't getting enough of Heathcliff, here he is with two cameo characters for one is definitely a cartoon that I would always avoid in the funny pages. Wow. Yeah. Cadillac Cat's characters were created by Jean Chalapin and Bruno Bianchi. Animation was outsourced to many Japanese, Taiwanese, and Korean studios, including TMS, Studio, Kurumi, Wang Film, Cockadoo's Nest, Mushi, Ariki, and others for the first season before Deke utilized their own private Japanese studio. And of course, as we mentioned, Mel Blanc provided the voice of Heathcliff. I want, I want to know more about two animation studios, both of which, one of which is made up, and one of which is Hounds made up. <laughs> I'm interested in Wang Film. Oh, yeah. And I'm interested in whatever Cockadoo's Nest is. Yeah. It's, a, it's like Cuckoo. Cuckoo's Nest. Cockadoo. Uh, 
Yeah, I guess see that movie, uh, the Stephen King, Kathy Bates one, uh, Misery. Misery, yeah. yeah. Like that's oh, a yeah, bunch definitely. of cockadoody, right? <laughs> she says that. Instead just of... a bunch of cockadoo. Yeah. <laughs> I think she curses. She just uses these made up swears. <laughs> and then uh, they went and made an animation studio based on it. Hey. Weird. And then they made an animated version of Misery. Guys, we need to get our hands on that for Woodwatch. this October. Would spooky tunes would watch. Hey, let me ask you real quick: Which comic strip did you did you pass over? I never really. I was never a big fan of Marmaduke. It just seemed. I don't remember anything like standing out about it except a big goofy dog. Yeah, I feel like every Marmaduke. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, I, Alex, because I feel like every Marmaduke was that family doing a poor job of integrating that poor dog into their family and then him being a dog and them getting upset at him being a dog. And and when I say upset, I mean, it was like on on the spectrum of, oh, you to like, we're getting rid of that fucking dog. Yeah. Uh, Marmaduke comics were always, the joke was, that's a very big dog. And like, yeah, it's a, it's a huge dog. You you brought this upon yourselves. You bought this gigantic dog. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. It's not like Clifford. Like Clifford the Big Thank Red you. Dog, A, for kids. B, they like deal with it, and Clifford's a bro. And C, they didn't realize that Clifford was going to be that big of a dog. They bought him right. as a small red pup, and then he grew into that. Yeah. Right. And everybody loved him. Where when you get a Great Dane, you expect it to be like a small horse. To Marmaduke's owners, y'all fucked up. <laughs> y'all fucked up. We're not reading your comics. However, we will read and watch Heathcliff. Maybe, at least <laughs> for this episode. Hey, if you don't know what Heathcliff is about and you're wondering why we're not talking about Garfield instead, let me give you an idea of the breakdown of this here animated series. So Heathcliff, the title character, is an orange, street-smart, comical, and apparently trigger-happy cat who spends most of his time trying to turn a dustbin over onto people's heads. Basically the premise right there. A street cat and quick-thinking trickster who loves to fight anyone except girls Heathcliff will also lie, cheat, and steal to get himself some food. But despite it all, he is apparently a good guy. The Cadillac Cats, on the other hand, are a gang of cats led by Riff Raff who live in a junkyard. When Riff Raff's not around, they sometimes help Heathcliff in adventures or sometimes tease him. They drive a slick Cadillac which could transform into an RV and a boat. Cadillac Cats. Hmm. <laughs> I almost got through that one. Uh... Do you know if Cadillac Cats ever ended up in the comic strip? Or is this just like a weird thing that they tacked on for this animated series? I always thought it was a weird thing that they tacked on. Yeah. I uh, I don't think that they showed up in the comic at all. Uh, Riff Raff is so much like Heathcliff anyway that like there'd be no point. Riff Raff is like a weird kind of like southern landed gentry kind of like walks with a cane, always has a scheme going on. It's a very strange character. With a rerun hat. Yeah, they don't really know what to do with them. I don't know. Which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But did you guys watch this growing up at all? Did you ever watch Heathcliff, Alex? So I watched a fuck ton of Heathcliff when I was a kid. Yeah. And I hated it. Like <laughs> Heathcliff has the distinction. Hate watch. Yeah. Heathcliff has the very has the very great distinction of being the first show that I hate watched. It was just mm. always on. They would always show reruns on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Um it was always fucking on, so I would I would watch it. And I never liked it, like, at all. I was just lamenting, like, why is this not Garfield and Friends? <laughs> a show I'd rather be, I would have rather have been watching at the time. Uh, Heathcliff, just, he just, he just, 
He annoyed me, but not as much as Riff Raff and the Cadillac Cats. No. Oh, really? I fucking hated the Cadillac Cats. Wow. I love that you like watched Heathcliff and just like trudged through it, and then when Riff Raff came on, you were like, now I'm real fucking pissed. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the character of Wordsworth, the... the uh, oh, don't even get me started. The roller skating, <laughs> uh, uh, headphone-wearing, rhyming <laughs> cat was the one that I really hated. I thought his voice was stupid, and I hated that he rhymed. Um, you know, following the great tradition of Roadblock and other rhyming cartoon <laughs> characters in the eighties. Yo, who was it? Who was it? Sean and Botsmaster. Who was the rapping? Uh, uh, I don't know. Robot. Remember. It was Rap Bot. Was I, it Cook? Yeah, I think it was the Cook. I think it was the Cook. Yeah. Yeah, like I think you need like rap was big, so rap is oh rap is just rhyming, right? Just have this fucking cat. Right? It was it was, like, it was white people's cartoon rap writing yeah, is yeah. what it was. It was white people in the eighties trying to understand rap and incorporate it into yep. a cartoon. Because if you notice, yeah. I think Wordsworth in like specifically was an amalgam of everything that people thought were cool in the eighties. They were like, rap is cool. You know what also is cool? Sony's got a new Walkman out. It's got portable music that you can wear on your ears and take with you wherever you want. Also, inline skating. That's a thing. Let's put him on some inline skates. He's a cat. Also, that makes sense. Also, not wearing clothes in public. Yeah. Uh, except when the cats do. What the fuck? I have of... a lot of questions about this. Yeah, I, I took vast <laughs> notes on, <laughs> on, on the world of Heathcliff and the Cadillac cats. <laughs> I, 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 like... Well, we can get to Wordsworth more because I've got I've got yeah. tons and tons of comments about this character. Oh, but yeah. Did you watch this? Holy fight? shit! Yeah, I did. I watched a lot of Heathcliff, and I don't really? I don't remember hating it. That was the craziest thing. I, I remember I remembered a majority of the theme song up until the point that I couldn't understand and decipher what they were saying. <laughs> and it's long too. It's, it's a like very, a minute and a half. Yeah. It's an anime yeah. theme song. Yeah. It's, a, it's a minute and a half. Yeah. yeah it is it's long uh, so it, it's i i remember kind of enjoying it actually so I, i'm like getting back and, and and seeing it tonight i don't remember having any bad feelings about it uh <laughs> you know but i but during this time to your point alex like i had watched not only heathcliff but a lot of garfield and friends right and so and i feel like garfield and friends was one of those things that was always on in the morning yeah you know and i'm gonna be honest with you like the level and tone of energy that any Garfield cartoon brings is not like a cup of coffee for a kid. It's like, you should just not do today. Like just like hit the reset button on the Nintendo of life and just jump back in bed friend. Cause game over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just go back to sleep. Just face plant and some lasagna. Just kick a dog off a table, whatever. <laughs> Send <laughs> somebody to Abu Dhabi, you know, normal. Sure. You know, yeah, I, air but, mail them. they're just, uh, there, there's, uh, and I guess maybe the the interesting or the challenging thing is that I don't think that you know the tone of Heathcliff was any any better, but I I don't remember it being it so bullyish or so abusive towards other characters that are around. So tonight this was kind of surprising to actually be able to watch because in my brain again uh, that whole idea that I've had about Voltron effect, you know where you you have this cartoon that you watch and you remember very fondly. And you don't have negative emotions to it. In fact, you know, like your brain is thinking, I love this, I love this thing. And then you rewatch it and you realize, oh no, I've made a horrible mistake in my life. <laughs> Why did I base the majority of my, my youth off of this? 
this is one of those ones that it, it kind of fooled me. I was kind of surprised about not necessarily the, the animation or how repetitive it was in a Voltron sense. I was really surprised at how abusive these characters are towards one another. Well, yeah, I, I kind of get it because it's supposed to be like, we'll get into it with the plot and the characterization, but he's supposed to be like a street tough Tomcat. Right. Like that's his shtick in the show, and that's what they decided to go with. We'll get into that. Uh, for me, I really didn't watch this because, like Alex, I didn't like it. But <laughs> unlike Alex, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't even a big fan of Garfield and Friends, but I kind of tolerated it a little bit more because it was kind of easygoing, kind of goofy, kind of background. But Heathcliff just never really clicked for me. Okay. However, to Sean's point, I think one of the the, the first clues that this is going to be a Dennis the Menace of Cats kind of yes. series is is the theme song. They literally say, after his name, they're they're like maybe you shouldn't be terrorizing the neighborhood or, or sorry, terrifying the neighborhood. <laughs> My argument is that it should be terrorizing because that's at least a little more correct. It always, <laughs> but sounded, apparently he's a terrifying force. Yeah, it always sounded like terrorizing. It should be, but for everything I've read and heard uh, as far as the lyrics go, it sounds like terrifying. Ugh. But at least we're on the same page. It should be terrorizing. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this Billy Joel ass theme song. So, yes. <laughs> so should we we jump into this theme song? Oh yeah, yeah. We're in it. Uh huh. <laughs> Are you gonna read it like a tone poem? <laughs> <laughs> what What were your initial thoughts and, and take on this, Alex? On the theme song? Yes, please. Uh, like like as you say, it's long as fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's catchy. It's a catchy theme song, especially when they get to the oh, yeah. like bit at the end. Um, I remember enjoying the theme song when I was a kid, but also it was like a uh, a warning to what was coming. <laughs> yes. Just like, oh, hey, here's this annoying show that you're going to sit through so you can watch Nick Arcade or whatever the fuck is going to come on after this. Yep. It's almost worth it. You you could have changed the channel, but it I like that you stuck with it and like earned whatever was coming next. Yeah. I, you know, I think I think I did enjoy some of it because it, it reminds me of Inspector Gadget. Uh, hmm. like the animation style reminds me a lot of Inspector Gadget, which uh, you know was also airing at the time, and I was right. a huge fan of that. Um, so I don't know. I feel like the like a lot of shows, the theme song promised uh, too much. Like, hey, look, look at this cool car! It's going to transform into a yep. a fatter car, <laughs> <laughs> and then a hydrofoil fat car. Yeah. And then we never saw it in the episodes we watched tonight. I actually wrote this down for the theme song. It puts more emphasis on the Cadillac cats, despite them not being the title characters of the show. Mm. Yeah, surprisingly. I mean, like Heathcliff gets most of the lyrics and a good portion of the action. But then he's outclassed by the Cadillac cats rolling around town like a big group of cats. We'll talk about their differences, but they're rolling around town in this like transforming super vehicle. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a six year old kid. Like I want to watch that. I want to watch a bunch of cats roll around in like a spaceship. Yeah. Like that seems fun. <laughs> I don't want to watch this weird street cat. Just like pick fish bones out of trash cans. That's you can't really compare those two. But what's weird is that's the majority of the, the actual series itself. So Sean, what about you? What stuck out? I mean, I, I definitely, I agree with you, Alex, definitely an earworm of a song. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of the audio that they have for this, a very fun kind of doo-wop style lyrics that they have. Yeah. And I'll, I'll even contend that the thing that made this so enticing is the fact that I never really understood all the actual lyrics for the song until yeah. until until today. <laughs> I had no actual full understanding of what was in there. 
until I actually went and Googled what was in the theme song and, and took a look at it. And I, I was blown away. I was like, oh, that's what they're saying. Oh, God. It, it's, it's almost like a song that you hear that you've been singing for years. And then somebody comes along and they're like, you know that that's not the right word, correct? And you're like, I know, but this is the way I'm going to sing it. I'm stuck in my fucking ways. And, and for this, like, to actually have the internet be that kind of stand-in person and be like, you've been fucking this up for years, that was mind-blowing to me. I was really, I was really kind of surprised because, like, I don't know, maybe it's the fact that I've been watching, like, a lot of true crime shows when they have the line that's in here about, like, uh, the gang will reign supreme. Nobody can deny they'll make history and they'll always have an alibi. I was like, wait, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> yeah. What are they, what are they doing? That it's requires like organized their... crime. Cats. Yeah. yeah. What are they doing as cats that requires them to be this organized? I, I, I gotta, I gotta say real quick one. It breaks my heart that you Googled these lyrics when I provided them for you in the show notes, but that's totally fine. I understand that nobody, I mean, but now, before you sent the show notes out, totally before fine. you sent the show notes out, you did much... not Google this shit at seven in the morning. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. You get one. Okay. Everybody gets one. Okay. But the second point is that, yeah, I hate when that happens. You think you like know a lyric. Allison and I just had that the other day. She was singing a like Foo Fighters song and I was like, what are you saying right there? Because that's not the thing that they say. She's like, I've been. Sing- uh, she's singing Everlong, right? Nah, it was, it was my hero. Oh no, that's even Which, worse. There's only like four different words in my hero. <laughs> there goes my hero. That's yeah. it. That's the whole song. That's it. Uh, uh, but no, it's the same kind of thing. Like when you actually read these lyrics, a like we've mentioned a couple of times, it's super long. They're trying to tell some kind of story, but I don't yet understand what that story is. To be honest with you, the fact that like this whole thing wraps up, repeats. Heathcliff, Heathcliff, no one should terrify their neighborhood. But Heathcliff just won't be undone. You should realize he can win it with you. <laughs> the fuck are you talking? What like, that? what does that mean? <laughs> what does any of this mean? I think, like, it's trying to tell you that he's so charming that he'll get you on his side. I always thought it was, uh, he will be there for you. Like a friend? Yeah, like he's a anything but, but a I, I, you, I mean, I yeah. know that now. But at least that makes more sense with like English. Like, you know, if you're crafting a story and talking about this like cool cat that you want to hang out with, that would make sense. Not what they say. It, he can win it with you. Did anybody else get the distinct impression from watching this theme song that there were three separate cartoons that they spliced together <laughs> into make nonsense? <laughs> Yeah. You no, know, I, I at least I like that they had original animation for this, though. Yeah. They had like a little story with the it, the story didn't make any sense, but at least it was an original story with Heathcliff and then the Cadillac cats at the same time. I could have used a roll call because there's about a dozen yeah. characters that roll across the screen, but, but I mean, beyond that. But today, like Dave, to your point, you know, we, we at least understand who the Heathcliff character is. We have dedicated animation. We've got some actual pretty fun and playful visuals about how yep. much of a, a little terrorizing alley cat. Heathcliff is. Then we almost have this completely separate cartoon that's in a junkyard where it seems like Pimp Cat is going with like 80s aerobicizing cat. Uh-huh, and you're yeah. like, whoa, what's going on here? And then there's almost oh, like an yeah. entire separate story about a trio of friends on a Transformer. And I, I was like, oh, I want to watch that Transformer. Like as we said, <laughs> I want to watch that Transformer thing. Yeah. That looks fucking sweet. Uh, but God, yeah, it just... I want to watch Transformer Cats. You know, that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, it just... I, I don't think... If this if this theme song is ending with the line, uh, like, kind of understanding that, like, Heathcliff is going to be your friend and that you can, that, you know, he can win it with you, 
Meaning that like that's a that's a huge dependency to put on somebody. That's a lot of pressure to be like, but hey, like, Heathcliff's I, I in a real bad him. spot. He could get there if he had your friendship, Alex. And you're like, oh, I don't know that I'm that close to Heathcliff right now. <laughs> like, I mean, we've we've hung, we've hung out a couple times. I still don't even understand what the hell they're winning though. Like, they, they, throughout this theme song, they're like, there's a race to be on top. I think it's winning at life. I think it's a Between winning at like it's like a much broader idea of like Heathcliff could become a good reformed person and a contributing nope. member to cat society Mm-mm. Dave if he had your love and friendship but there is not an ounce of that anywhere to be found <laughs> on this show you know uh, there's another cat who is like Heathcliff but he doesn't need me his name is top cat and he's the most <laughs> effectual and yeah. uh, you know I feel like I feel like Heathcliff is sort of a bullshit version of top cat yeah. And Riff Raff, they both are. They both strive to be Top Cat. And they'll yeah. never be Top Cat. No. Pick any other cartoon cat in existence that is like a title cat. And these two are worse than those title cats. I don't care who you're talking about. Battle cat. You can even classify Bonkers as a cat, <laughs> as a Bobcat. And they're, they're still worse than Bonkers. Uh, Cringer and Battle Cat. <laughs> yeah. Slash Battle oh, I love cat. Cringer and Battle Yes. Yeah, Cringer slash Battle Cat. Still better. Better than these guys. I'd, watch, I'd rather watch a Cringer show <laughs> than Heathcliff, which makes me cringe. Well, we're we're kind of transitioning into the style, uh, but I want to say that like my my last thoughts on this is that they do something in this show that I love. Whenever they throw out to a commercial, they do a little commercial interstitial. Yeah. Yes, I do. Like with that. some animation, where I think we had one where it was like putting a, a stick of dynamite in front of a dog and blowing them up, <laughs> and then like, totally normal. Yeah, totally yep. totally normal. Again. They have done nothing to make you think that Heathcliff in any way, shape, or form is a good human being cat at all. This guy's a total (laughs) straight-up dick. So commercial interstitials, super fun. When they come back from the commercial, they have like a a quick uh, kind of like the last animation still that you saw from that interstitial. And then to introduce the episode, they have a dedicated title screen. And I love dedicated title screens for any cartoon whatsoever so it's always kind of fun to to see those pop up in a show yeah a little bit of splash artwork that was pretty cool right. too uh, the the riffraff one is pretty lame he's just like leaning on his cane and then he falls over and the cane breaks oh yeah that's... it's like oh all right i guess he'll be fine during this commercial break oh we'll no what's gonna happen to pimp cat during the commercial <laughs> yeah literally nothing he's just laying there until cleo comes <laughs> to pick him up uh before we move on from the theme song this theme song was actually composed and written if you can believe wikipedia by our buddies shooky levy and Ham Saban. Oh, the Power Rangers fellows. Yep. That's right. That's right. I think they uh, learned from this mistake and shortened <laughs> up their theme songs in the future, made them very repetitive, and made them much more memorable. So, uh, yes. good job. Yeah, fellas. All right, we've already talked a little bit about animation style. So, Alex, you mentioned that it kind of reminded you of, like, Inspector Gadget. Yeah. So, what, what exactly stood out to you that made that kind of comparison in your mind, and what did you like or not like so much about the design? Um... I actually loved the animation. I thought it was awesome. Like uh, compared to other '80s cartoons where they cut corners a lot, uh, uh, filmation. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the studios that worked on on Heathcliff were like they must have been like working their fingers to the bone because like this show looks great, like better than it ought to. Um, it has that weird uh, like so, sort of like faux anime style that um, I feel like. Inspector Gadget has very kind of frantic movements, um, overuse of sound effects. 
Ooh, this show this show hit that mark too. This show definitely, yeah, yeah uh, really colorful. Um, and the way the eyes are are drawn, yeah, yeah, like it, yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like it, it's a gorgeous looking show, kind of anime. Okay, as as most shows in the 80s kind of looked right <laughs> that weren't especially when they're drawn and, and animated by like a, an amalgamation of south asian southeast asian studios yeah <laughs> you could really tell that in some of the background shots like over the title sequences uh, especially the outro title sequence when they had that like really cool detailed shot of the junkyard yeah uh, the junkyard is like this pile this kind of tower of uh of junk where the cadillac cats hang out and there's a really cool design of it that's like nicely detailed that's just a still frame shot they they don't animate it quite that way. Uh, the animation of that part is way more kind of pulled from the comic book uh, inspiration. But as far as the still frames, especially like the um, the still frames for the title cards, yeah, those are a little more. Those are a little cleaner, a little more detailed. Sean, what about you, bud? You actually you mentioned this previously, Dave Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. For me, Heathcliff is Dennis the Menace and Peanuts cartoons, but yep. for cats. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it, it it had all of all of the terrible bits of both <laughs> scattered into it. I, I, I was actually I was trying to I'm glad that we mentioned the fact that this is this really is sort of a Garfield ripoff in, in some way, shape, or form. Uh I was trying to think of other like dick cats that other than every cat, because all cats are dicks. I was right. trying to figure out other cats that have been in cartoons. And one thing that like popped out to me was the, the animated version of Fritz the cat yeah. uh, that was done by Robert Taylor, but it was uh, Fritz. The cat was originally by, uh, by Crom by uh, right. Robert Crom, but Robert Taylor animated it. And there are some things that were about this, about like a cat just kind of wearing like maybe like a single piece of, of clothing, you know? And in this case, like, you know, we had riff raff with like a kind of a paper boys cap a cane and a scarf. And so there's like, there was always some element to try to humanize them. It was just really weird for me for Heathcliff. They didn't try to do anything of like every other cat. I feel like had a thing, had some type of like a thing or an article of clothing or a backwards cap. Heathcliff was like, no, I'm just naked and I'm here to fight, which that's (laughs) terrifying. Do you think he's the only one who has a home? The rest of them are just alley cats. Yeah. I, and I guess that's the whole thing that really confuses me is that he has a warm bed, he gets presumably two meals a day, and he's still the world's biggest asshole to everybody. Okay, as a cat person, this show kind of offends me, because I'm like, yeah, this, if, if you grew up watching this, then you, of course you're going to think that all cats are assholes. Yeah. Because everybody in this show is a fucking asshole. Ugh. As a person living with a feral cat who's, after 11 years, is still an asshole, I'm like, this is actually pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what were your thoughts about some of the, the animation style? No, I really liked it. I thought it was just like the comic book had come to life, which honestly is what I kind of think if you're going to adapt a comic book, a comic strip, sorry, then that's kind of what your animation style should look like. Garfield more or less did the same thing, but they played, they they focused in a lot more closely on the characters. So there wasn't a whole lot of background stuff. There wasn't very often a lot of characters in the frame. It was usually just like a a two, if, if at most it was like three characters in a frame. Heathcliff, they actually do a pretty good job of of doing like larger uh, action set pieces and playing with sort of 
interior interior exterior angles in some things, especially in some uh, particular sequences. We'll we'll mention in a little bit. They did a pretty good job, I think, of uh, of keeping the pace up. The humor never really landed for me, but that obviously has nothing to do with the animation style. But the the visuals of it kept everything moving. Nothing felt like it was just sitting still. It always felt like it was it was moving and and going along. So, to Alex's point too, it was. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was pretty seamless, pretty flawless animation, and it was it was a quality job. I don't know what it looked like in later years <laughs> when right. Deke decided to to tighten up the purse strings and just went with her own sort of solo studio. Um, I don't know what the quality looked like then. You think you, you think days. that you think that Deke was like this is this is too good of a cartoon cat. We got to dial this back like a couple notches. I'm pretty sure they were like, well, <laughs> if we could pay six animation studios to do the thing, yeah. or we could pay one that we control. Uh, and get whatever I get, whatever we get out of that. I just get the feeling like they were pumping out like MS art, like MS word art. Like it's just, <laughs> at that point, it's yeah. just click art of Heathcliff, I mean, clip art of Heathcliff. Jeez, I don't know if you guys saw the credits, but there's like the credits are humongous. Like, yeah, that's a long list. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> the list of writers actually made me laugh a lot because there's like thirty writers. It's insane. They're like, yeah, one guy, like the head writer, gets like a, a big, a big font size. Everybody else is just like, you have to get your magnifying glass out on your old tube TV to even see who they are. Yeah, including uh, Chuck Lorre. Uh, yeah, every fucking Big Bang Theories. Chuck Lorre uh, worked on this fucking show. Wasn't it Chuck Lorre of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fame Sam, too? Who same. wrote that theme song? One in right. the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, John Crickfalusi was actually in here for some um, some artwork as well. Ah. Oh, really? Saw that name pop up, which unfortunately that name has not done so well in the media recent days, for good reason. But it is a name within the animation circles that uh, is pretty recognizable. So interesting to see which names pop up, and I'm sure there's a lot more. But like Alex mentioned, there's a ton of people in the credits. So it's one of those shows where it's like the quality shows through on screen, but there's so many people behind the scenes that... It's almost, you got to wonder, like, at what point were they just like, this is untenable. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to cut back because this is insane. Do you think that they broke up this writing staff? They're like, guys, you guys are going to be the Cadillac cats. All right. You guys are going to be the other random alley cats. You guys are going to be the family that actually, like, owns Heathcliff and provides him a bed. And then you three, you three are like our, like, you guys are like our best cats. Like, you're like pick of the litter. <laughs> And you write Heathcliff. Do you feel like people walked around in that office with like Heathcliff style swagger where they walk over to somebody's desk and just knock their shit over and be like, what are you going to do? I write for Heathcliff. Just naked. Heathcliff. Swinging around. No, because with 50 people on a writing team, you think at least one joke would have landed. Yikes. It was rough. Like it's not, we'll talk about it in recommendations, but for me, it was not to the point where it's just like, fuck, this is so cringeworthy. I got to turn it off. It was just like, this is a thing that I'm currently watching, and eventually it will be over. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt about it. <laughs> yep. But I kept getting, like, I kept sort of slowly losing my sanity watching it. Just because this... <laughs> I will say, um, talk, talking animation again briefly before we move on to this cast of characters that we get. Sean mentioned the commercial break messages, which I like. Uh, the first time you see them, when they reuse the same ones over and over again, even though we only watched two episodes... They get repetitive, so that always kind of irritated me as a kid. Oh, yeah. Watch what I, I do, do next. <laughs> I've been waiting here for you. Come on. Yeah. You'll Say win it with me. Yeah, a... um, just... I do like the, the PSAs they had at the end of the episode. Yeah, though. yeah the one fun. where Heathcliff threatened me. <laughs> Which one? You keep coming around and I'll fucking sock you in the face. 
And I was like, Ooh. Oh, you're talking about the commercial break, not the PSA. No, I'm talking about both. The Sonic Says both. segments of PSAs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that, that we haven't talked about PSAs in a really long yeah, time yeah. because it's like, for whatever reason, the cartoons we talk about, like, not as many of them existed as we remember. Yeah. But Heathcliff is definitely one. Ha- so, what were the two that we watched? You have to think for 86 episodes with 86 yeah. different PSAs oh, that it's some. There's got to be a drug. I, one. You took the words right. There had to be at least yeah. a drinking, maybe a smoking, definitely a drugs one. Oh, Guys, yeah. I'm on the case. I hope we have a drunk Heathcliff PSA. <laughs> hey, it's me, Heathcliff. <laughs> <laughs> If you see a, an unused syringe bottle on the ground, make sure to stick it in your arm. Because <laughs> it's a free needle. <laughs> like, what the fuck is Heathcliff doing? Hey, guys, if you've got a cough, go to a clinic. <laughs> it's just him waiting in like a vet line. You're like, Ugh. Did you know feline HIV is incredibly... Uh, <laughs> it's running rampant these days. They're all about pets, the Sonic Says segments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. They are. Yeah. At least the two that we watched. I would They're very helpful. Uh, how you shouldn't put two uh, two fish in a in a bowl without researching it first. That's actually like yeah. super like that's yeah. real. The, I like specifically the they were fish? like don't put a piranha in with another fish. And then name the piranha Chompy. Chompa. <laughs> with friends like that, who needs enemies? Jesus. He's getting he's getting closer to like uh, Bubsy. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Level. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? More like a bridge too short. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're all playing Bubsy tonight, right? Yeah. This is, we're going to be streaming this later. It's Bubsy, it's Bonkers D. Bobcat, Ugh. and Heathcliff. Oh, Yikes. Man. All the same. I love that the other PSA was just like, if you've got an old dog, make sure to jerk the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the fact that the entire time they're like, old dogs have dulled senses because they're dumb, so put a leash on it. It'll prevent it from getting into a dog fight or walking into the street, which is exactly what you probably want to do with this dog right now. You're like, Jesus Christ, Heathcliff. Also, why are you walking the dog? I, there, I have so many animal questions uh, about what the hierarchy oh is, God. what the clothes situation is, hot cats versus not hot cats. It's so fucked up. Oh, God. Let's get into characters. characters. Let's All do right. characters. Huck. All right, Alex, who stands out for you? Cleo. Yep. God damn it. Look. Nice. Well, we got right to so, it. All right. Yeah, I know y'all want that to That sponsor again this week is Spunk Lube. <laughs> <laughs> Cleo, man, they really, whoever designed her was super horny. Yeah, 100%. Because nothing else in this cartoon is even remotely like, oh, here's a sexy character. She has boobs, but just two of them. And no clothes. No clothes, two boobs, as opposed to the sex that a female cat should have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things never, never literally line up. No. Uh, Thundercats. No. Uh, tiger sharks, I guess. <laughs> Any of the other anthropomorphic cat creatures. How, wait, how many about. nipples does a shark have? Uh, hundreds. Oh, my God. Well, basically. Did you know that a possum actually has 13 nipples, 12 in a circle, and one in the center? Huh. I did not know that. So as soon as we watch an animated possum's anthropomorphic cartoon, I want it to be uh, anatomically accurate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to watch the Get Along Gang and complain about the anatomically correct possum. Isn't there one in 100%. shirt tails? <laughs> Those nips are in the wrong place. Though, so Dave's like, I'm going to give it the dip because the nips. <laughs> you got nip dipped. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, Cleo. Cleo. Mm. I remember thinking that Cleo was attractive when I was a young child. Hundred percent. Yeah. You're like made to. It, yeah, it's um, actually it's actually really wrong that they designed her to be that way. Much like Jessica Rabbit was just drawn that way. Yeah. Like nothing else in this cartoon looks remotely like that looks like a human. 
dressed as a sexy cat. Yeah, like even Heathcliff's girlfriend Sonia doesn't look like an anthropomorphized cat. She just looks like a fucking cat. So she just looks she like she looks like Heathcliff, yeah. like a white Heathcliff with a beauty mark. Yeah, right. That's it. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research about Cleo today. Don't read anything. <laughs> Don't read anything into that. Don't read anything into that. I was checking out uh, Wikia and some fan pages just to do a little bit more of an in-depth. Uh, uh, but hey, you're, uh, Sean just pulled one finger in his collar and just pulled. It <laughs> yeah, I got no vaudeville hooked by by Alex right now. Uh, it, it, it mentioned on on one of the fan wikis that she is wearing a a, a, a fur-colored unitard no over top Not of possible. where she is. Like that cuz you see that they do they draw lines yeah. around like where like the creases are like for her for her hips as well as also her shoulders and somebody wrote on there that like she wears a like a leotard that's the exact same color as her fur and to that I'm going to honestly say bullshit. You guys I'm going to say bullshit. Guys, everybody knew she's wearing just fucking leg warmers, like she's in an '80s aerobics yep. video. Which, guys, we've been conditioned to think that that's attractive. Yes, we have. <gasps> now, here, let me let me ask you this. Well, first of all, Alex, do you believe that that's bullshit, like we do? Yeah, absolutely. The fans are just using an excuse so they have something to take off when they draw fan art. Oh, Yikes! Uh, that's that's, what, that's where what? my mind went. <laughs> yeah, you're probably, you're probably right. <laughs> Alex is doodling right now. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> If Cleo is actually wearing a like essentially fur colored or in our uh, usage of the word like skin colored, nobody walks around wearing just like skin colored uh, tights or leotards or like a V-neck skin tight, skin colored. You'd basically be walking around like a nude person. Like that's not socially allowable, <laughs> especially when everybody else around you looks like a weird little lump of dough <laughs> with fur stuck on. Yeah, I don't know. It's why... Why would you do this? I, I, I'll say the reason that I don't believe it is that if you look at Cleo's character design, she's got like a, a, a tuft on sort of her chest, like yeah. where her breasts are. I'm looking right oh, now. Oh, boy. Uh, please read more into that and send Dave help. Uh, again, we are sponsored by Spunk Lube this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's got like, she has like fur over top. She has yeah. like an area that it, it looks like it is like, very soft fur right over top of where her cat inaccurate <laughs> bosom hold is on, located. Hold on a second. I love that we're talking about the texture quality of this. <laughs> no, because if now. you well, if you look at if you look at Heathcliff's I'm girlfriend, uh what's her name? Sonia. Sonia. If you look at Sonia oh, Christ, if you, sorry, I just ran into the wrong pictures. Yep, oh, sure no. you did. So <laughs> if you look at if you look at Sonia, she's kind of got very like billowy, puffy, like white cat fur. Yeah, she's a cat. But, yeah. But then they take that and they put that on Cleo and you're like, it's the same. It looks like it's the same drawn fur texture that's on there. And then somebody online is like, ah, oh, it's a yellow leotard. Don't worry. She's not naked, guys. And you're like, bullshit. Cleo's a background extra from that episode of uh, Batman animated series. That's like the island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> you know what I'm talking Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where they're like the hybrid creatures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like, no, I'm, I'm definitely just covered in fur. And here's a tuft God, to prove it. I hate that episode. <laughs> That's, that's exactly what bad. she is, because like Sean said, she's got she's got like lines like an action figure would, where they have like opposable joints. <laughs> like yeah. you can see the lines there. But the leotard excuse makes zero sense unless she's wearing a fur leotard. Yeah. Which what the fuck cat would wear a fur leotard over actual fur? <sighs> Guys, none of this makes sense. You're just using it to rationalize your weird fan drawings of Cleo all over your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not speaking from personal experience. 
Dave, could you move the camera a little uh, bit to your left? Your your actual your fan drawings that you've made. You actually can are, see a bunch it? of like naked lady drawings right oh, there. Nice. Oh, yeah. If you zoom in, uh, from Ruben Martinez. Oh, great artist. Anyway, moving on. Are there any other characters in Heathcliff besides Cleo? I mean, yeah, there are. Yeah. <laughs> Wordsworth. Let's talk about Wordsworth. Oh my god, oh this god. motherfucker. We uh, we've already we've already hit on some points about him. Any yeah. any guys? Any any particular take, Alex, that you have about Wordsworth that you're just like, this is the worst. He doesn't make any scene better. He just <laughs> makes every scene worse. Uh, in the second episode, uh, where they're the kitty cat kennels episode, uh, he Yikes. says a dumbass rap r- rhyme, and then Hector just goes, "Huh?" Like. <laughs> He puts himself in the audience's shoes. I'm like, yeah, that's true. That wasn't funny. Why the fuck did he say it? I think it was the only one I liked was the one that like didn't quite rhyme <laughs> because he changed the like tense of it. Yeah, and then he changed it to like what the proper wording should have been. I was just like, all right, I'll give you that one. That was kind of <laughs> well, that's how you rap. Yep. <laughs> White cartoon cat rap. Yeah. Uh, Look, this. I'll take this opportunity to say, please have your pet spayed and neutered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Wordsworth, <clears throat> the worst. I thought. Out of the Cadillac cats, I thought Mungo was kind of endearing. <laughs> Mungo was fun. And I, I thought that he could be fun. He had a, kind of a spotlight in one of the episodes that we we talked about tonight, uh, which is called uh, The Farming Life Ain't For Me. <laughs> I thought I think he's just, he's a lovable goof. You know, he he takes things, he's the character that takes everything way too literally. You know, he does exactly what you tell him to, to a fault. He, right. I think that that sometimes is kind of funny to to see with a group of like with with pimp cat, business cat, sexy cat, and white rap cat. Mungo right. is like the one that I'm like, oh, okay, like you're you're just you're just dumb funny, yeah. like you're dumb enjoyable. Like I don't have to spend any brain power, any cycles thinking about whatever his joke is going to be. It's just you're taking it for what it is. That to me was enjoyable. Yeah, for me, it's kind of like, why would you continue to put this cat in charge of anything? <laughs> I don't care if it's digging a tunnel, carrying a pipe, like just, just don't, don't do it. This is why villains in in superhero shows like always fail because they always trust their really dumb henchmen oh, yeah. to carry out tasks that should be easy, but they know they're gonna fuck them up. Well, that you bring up a great point now, Dave. Yeah. Our hot hot take on Heathcliff right now is yeah. Heathcliff. And Riff Raff, are they the villains of this show? 100%. That's a good point. I was actually thinking about, like, why... Okay, Riff Raff and Heathcliff are the smallest cats. Why are anybody taking orders from them? Uh, That's 100% one of my first questions. (laughs) Why is Heathcliff supposedly such a tough guy? Yeah, like, did he do something? Like that made him a tough guy. Like Riff Raff too. Like did you kill a man? Yeah, I I, I believe that Riff Raff <laughs> killed somebody because he's always worrying oh, about yeah. the cops. Like, oh, did you get? Followed? I think he killed an actual pimp and took his clothes, and that's why he has like a pimp <laughs> name. Adding on the junkyard because nobody wants to go there. Yeah, I feel like uh, Hector, Mungo, and and Wordsworth just they need somebody to boss them around because yeah. they're taller and prob and Mungo we've seen destroy a hundred dogs in this show <laughs> like he could beat the fuck out of riffraff like he has no business taking orders from anybody i, I also want to say as a yeah. as just for wordsworth hector and and mungo a callback to the theme song these are not three people that you want on the witness stand as an alibi for you <laughs> nope. they are not gonna under they one is gonna white rap his way into 
like a contempt right of jail. court. If the glove does not fit, you must acquit. <laughs> I, it's the voice I think that just, if the glove doesn't fit, it just it drives. Oh God, just yeah, it's cringe funny. every time. Hector, Hector just seems like he would he would throw you under the bus immediately because he secretly <laughs> wants to be first in command the whole time. And Mungo, that's why I think for me, like Mungo, there was no power struggle. There was nothing. He was just lovable, but. To answer the question that I just posed, I think that they are the villains of this show. Like, yeah. I think they're the villains of this neighborhood. I yeah, want. I mean, I and, want and you could argue that Heathcliff is too, because neither yeah. neither of these teams are doing anything that's like productive. They're not really helping anybody out. We can talk about that in the plot a little bit. What's interesting is you never see Heathcliff and Riff Raff together except in like the credit scene. Oh, no, maybe it's like Superman. so. I don't know if this internet theory exists, but maybe we can start it. <laughs> That Heathcliff and Riff Raff are two sides of the same character, I think, like a two-faced character. I think what we're saying now is that David's committed to watching all 86 yep. episodes in order to make sure yep. that there's never a crossover scene between the two. You know what? That's right. I was thinking about this also on my drive here <laughs> about that the exact same thing. You don't see them in the same room at once, and being like, being, so the Calic Cats hang out with Riff Raff unless he's banging Cleo. Or getting busy, as he says. Oh, that was creepy. And then they yeah. go to hang out with Heathcliff. Like, it's... If Riff Raff's, you know, banging his slam piece, then, <laughs> then they gotta hang out with, with the Heath. Yo, if this show was, like, real, though, you'd never see Riff Raff or Cleo. No. <laughs> like, just all the time. Never. And there would be so many more cats. Oh, God. <laughs> Unless your pets have been spayed or neutered, and then they're just going at it all the time. But it would be like smaller, smaller, tiny orange cats with leg warmers and a pimp cane, and you'd be like, "This doesn't make any sense, but I'll allow it." How amazing would that be if like a second generation of Heathcliff and the Cadillac cats came out, and it was like Cleo's litter, but it was like each of the different cats. Like there was like a mini Mungo, and like a mini Heathcliff, <laughs> and like a mini. Many words. Just every cat from the entire eighty-six yep. episodes, like she had had yep. a litter from that cat. Mm-hmm. Yikes! And then it's just riff, and there's no riffraff cat. No riffraff. He's like, ah, I gotta go. I'm gonna put my arm yeah. awkwardly around her and hover hand real quick. You guys go do some stuff. <laughs> Yikes! I- Let's get into those the plots though, yeah. because there's a lot of stuff that we can pull from oh to kind of like further flesh out these characters. So we watched um, two episodes, each with two segments. Now we watched the first half hour episode and we also watched the highest rated which in my opinion doesn't say much (laughs) highest rated episode as well which one would you guys like to talk about first we're not going to go plot wise beat by beat we're just going to pull out anything that we have questions on and give you kind of like a high level uh of the of the plot i think we can do an around like alex being our guest uh was there one of these four episodes that stood out to you that you were like i have some questions or what the fuck happened in this episode Oh my god. <clears throat> okay. The Great Puccini. I really want to talk about this episode because You you got to say that again for the folks at home. The Great Puccini. Nicely done. Yeah, it's not a porno. <laughs> it's not. He's also not a magician, which I thought he was for half the episode. I did too. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> I was very confused. Yeah. yeah. Uh god damn this. This episode not only features Heathcliff but also the Cadillac cats. So mm-hmm. Riff Raff must be getting his business on or whatever um the biggest my biggest thing about this episode is that you see copious amounts of cats wearing clothes driving cars like putting on a production and yet there's humans just everywhere too like there's humans in this world 
are they turning a blind eye to this? Do the cats run the universe here? Like, what in the fuck is going on? I think my main question with that is like, all these things are to scale for these cats. Yeah. So is there like a, a complete secondary world that's built alongside the human world just for cats? Is it like an acid flashback? Oh, oh my God. If it is, Probably th- this plays very well into the whole Fritz the Cat or Crumb thing. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. But for me, oh, let's start this conspiracy now. This is my, this, I'm loving this. What if Heathcliff is such a bully and a dick because back at home, he's responsible for those three humans? Oh my God. And he's like, oh, I didn't want them, but like it was like chopping block day at the human pound. <laughs> And I like. I didn't want him to get euthanized, so like I brought him into my house. But like now I'm angry because they're just kind of terrorizing me all the time. So as a re- direct result, I'm going to terrorize this neighborhood or terrify. Let me, let me throw this theory out. Got there. it. Do it. Everything from Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats is Heathcliff's dreams because he's a house cat and he's kept inside all day. Ooh. But all he wants to be is like the big tough tomcat. Alley cat switching costumes, pretending he's riff raff, banging a banging a, a hot Cleo so cat, <laughs> while also two timing with Sonia. I guess. Wow, that's actually a pretty sound theory. So you're doing like a I mean, da- like a Dallas Dallas dream sequence here. Exactly, exactly. Nice. Cats sleep most of the day, so this could conceivably just be his dream. Holy shit! Huh. And when really he gets sound. tired of like the Heathcliff lifestyle, he just switches over to riff raff lifestyle. Oh. And he's like, hey, now I'm the head of the calico ca- or the calico cats, Cadillac cats. <laughs> Like, and when I'm not hanging out with them, I'm just banging Cleo. That's a good. Like a that's fan, a good dream. Fan fiction, like he's he's living his own fan fiction. Oh my exactly. god! But it's also kind of depressing because he's just stuck inside all day and he can't ever live that life. Plus, they took his balls. <laughs> <laughs> also, that this also they took his balls. This is way more sound than the Angelica is dead theory <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, this is creepy. But yeah, it's weird. There's just like practical things that are never really answered, never really explained, even with a team of 45 writers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll say, was there anything particular about the ending of the great Puccini episode that frustrated you to no end? Yes. Heathcliff spent the entire <laughs> time trying to win back, trying to win back Sonia from the great Puccini. And then she falls for she falls for the guy who's behind the mask, basically. Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh well, <laughs> you just spent all this effort into getting your flunkies to do this shit for you, and you exerted like." I think he just wanted the stage time. He didn't give a shit about Sonya. He's just like, "Yeah, I, yeah, yeah," which is fucked up for a lot of reasons. It's it's weird too because I, I will say this: they do uh, a decent job in some of this of hitting some some comedy rule of three. So yeah. they. Mm-hmm. They have Heathcliff dressed as shrubbery, walks out on stage in front Most of a man. in front of a full audience, a full cat theater of cats, of cats <laughs> with a pair of scissors, and he cuts the great Puccini's like it, it's like the like his shirt flap, yeah. So his like gut his gut yeah. comes out, uh, and then goes up into the rafters and somehow gets like a suction cup on his head and pulls off his wig. And then, like the finally, the the coup de gras is that he gets a giant fan again. He's dressed as a shrub, and no, yeah, still shrub. and and the singer's still singing, and nobody's like, we should call security. <laughs> we should call cat security. <laughs> Whatever Pickerton for cats are, bring them out here. Have squirt this asshole off, Catterton. So they at no point in time do anything for this. So Heathcliff walks out with a giant fan, 
turns it on, it starts to blow Great Puccini off the stage, then like hits the turbo, because all fans have a turbo in cartoons, let's 100%. be honest. Hits the turbo on this, and it blows Puccini off the stage, and it does sort of like whatever that Blues Traveler video is for Hook. <laughs> like reveals the man behind the curtain like singing for him, and they're like, oh. And then you're right. Heathcliff, like at the very end, is just like, oh, wow. That's doesn't give a and shit. That's it. Like blackout. It's yo, but also like Sonya. I don't know what's up with her because she likes in both episodes that we watched. There's a lot of like not really two timing because I guess she and Heathcliff aren't together. No. I don't think but, they're. I don't know, to Alex's point, it seemed like it seemed like Heathcliff liked the stage time and the chance to sing in front of people more than he cared about what Sonya was actually. I don't doing. even think it's the stage time. I just think he likes being a dick to other people. No, that's that's definitely yeah. true because he spent the entire yeah. time trying to like. You know, prank Sonya and uh, and Puccini when they're in the Tunnel of Love, which is another cartoon-only thing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen a Tunnel of Love in real life? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. It's no. invented for for uh, for teen teen shows, teen live action shows, and, and cartoons. I I, I do want to say that they're uh, when they they go to the Tunnel of Love and there is like a fair thing. If you go back and watch that scene. There are two kids that run across the front of the scene uh, as they're panning, as they're doing a panning, establishing shot of this fair with the tunnel of love. And I, I shit you not, it looked like, uh, it looked like Sally from Peanuts running across, but in like a different colored dress. Like it looked like Sally in a Marcy colored like dress. Egg. Yeah, it was yeah. real weird. Hmm. Hey, while we're talking about shitty cats and abusive relationships, what do you guys think about Orville the country cat? <laughs> Friend zoned. Okay, was that was Holy that shit. was that a uh, was the so you're talking about the episode the farming life ain't for me. <laughs> That's right, Dave. Was this the one that stood out to you? Just because so lately there's been a lot of talk about uh, this is a new term to me, but incel, so an involuntarily celibate person. Okay, who's essentially just like a toxic piece of shit human being, always male, hmm. uh, who is not getting any reciprocation from women apparently so they're mad about it so they turn that into like being real bags of shit to people in real life okay so anyway this 100 percent seemed like orville to me he seemed like the type of person that if his affections were spurned he would just do anything possible to be a absolute piece of crap to the person he supposedly was attracted to long and short of it uh the cadillac cats let's just call them city cats for this point traveled to the country to visit cleo's cousin who happens to live on a farm she and Mungo, she, she kind of has eyes for Mungo at the beginning of this thing. So she starts to kind of try to woo him by making him some sort of cake, I believe. Uh, Orville, this little skinny, scrawny, kind of hick uh, country cat, has a thing for Lulabelle. But when he sees Mungo come up as, um, as competition, he just decides to be a complete shit cat and just try to ruin everybody's day. In like really increasingly disturbing ways. <laughs> Some of the stuff that he says, I was just like, you need to rein it in there, bud. This isn't for love. You're just being like spiteful and shitty. I, I wrote I wrote down that this this episode turned into a Fruity Pebbles commercial. <laughs> like, At which point? Where where he has to go through and try to steal every single ingredient. It's it's it starts off with a like, oh, watch me get Fred's pebbles and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch me vacuum up Fred's flour <laughs> with this <laughs> vacuum cleaner. Spotless. 
God. So then, what's the what's the next thing? They uh, it's the eggs, right? They're trying to yeah. grab the eggs, and so uh, yeah, grabbed all the flour from the mill, uh, dressed like a chicken to steal all the eggs from the chicken. Right, feed. and then the bees. Well, no, uh, didn't we have one that was dressing up like a cow? Oh God. He dressed up like a cow, but that to try to steal the milk, but he failed right. because there's a dog sheriff who just kind of like hangs out and really likes to like fight crime, apparently, <laughs> like McGruff. Yeah. And uh, he, well, he essentially takes Orville down a peg or two. So he doesn't quite get to win the day on that one. But at the end, he tries to steal the honey. This pissed me off too because he said, the bees are out gathering honey. I was like, that's not how fucking bees work. Yeah. <laughs> country bumpkin also uh when you whistle bees don't usually take that as a oh no there's a home invasion back at the hive <laughs> yeah that's usually not a cute <laughs> hey those cats are our friends yeah because <laughs> you know that cat bee relationship has always been so prominent mm-hmm. in any cartoon that we've watched previously mm-hmm. i mean technically i've never heard a cat whistle so maybe that is an actual like nature fact oh, yeah. hey. i'll talk to attenborough and see if that's the thing he's ever seen <laughs> those bees are like hey those cats are whistling that's weird <laughs> time for us to form the the shape of a jet fighter yeah. and go after this asshole cat. I actually love that sequence. It was very that was kind of yeah. Cool. That was fun. I was like pretty pretty creative. I I think the thing that I don't like about all of this is that I didn't know that that word existed either, Dave. About incel. So pretty recent. This yeah. this Orville character, he he tries to he tries to foil the steps to make this this cake or this pie every step of the way. He does right. not succeed at any step. In fact, people get hip to this, and then they're like blocking him from even being able to make those moves. So everybody right. else is playing chess. Orville's playing checkers. They're fucking schooling him in his own game. Then he gets dropped into a series of farm equipment that looked like it would have been something that you would have put somebody into Fargo. Yeah. Oh yeah, he should have been just hacked yeah. to cat pieces like he's, at this point. Like just bits, just thrown. Yep. And then he gets. He was a bailer. Yeah. Just a bailer. And so he gets yeah. thrown into this bale of hay, and then at the end, he gets rewarded by Lulabel, who's just like, and that who's like, was oh, the main issue. I can't believe when I realized that I saw this happen to you, I couldn't let you go, my love. Like, oh, my, oh, I can't, where would I be without you? And he gets fucking rewarded for this shitty ass behavior when he should have been incorporated like into a fucking piece of hay. <laughs> I think it's shit like this that it's like the people who are of the mindset of like the incel folk were some of the same people who were writing this because it's very much like I'm exercising personal relationship issues that I have, but I'm also going to have like the male fantasy dominance play thing where everything worked out for me in the end because I was the one who was slighted and I was the one who was wrong. Yeah. So the 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 woman is going to come back to her senses at the end and see that I'm the one for her. And to to play that out with a bunch of country cats is weird to begin with. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's it's kind of like that kind of story and that kind of like, oh, I did a shitty thing or I did a good thing and now I should be rewarded. That mindset is super toxic and unfortunately is still pretty strong today. And I feel like sometimes it's things like this that kind of like root that idea of how relationships are supposed to work in your mind. So Plant the seed as a kid when you're watching yep. these cartoons about these shitty relationships and how you should you're treat like, Oh, that's how relationships work. I get it. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Fuck. You'll yeah. go to like the Red Pill subreddit and people are like, you know what cartoon I loved? Heathcliff. Yeah. Taught me to be shitty to women so I could eventually bag one. Yeah, yeah. Domestic <laughs> abuse cat. That was my favorite cartoon I used to watch. My favorite. I got tats of them all over my body. <laughs> a big fucking tat of riffraff on his ass. <laughs> but I feel like the bigger question here is like, what? why do we want to watch Heathcliff? What is it about Heathcliff from any of these seg- uh, segments or sequences that we watch? Like, what is it about him that we like? 
Like even when he's when he's dealing with like a clingy kind of like new cat by the name of Tracer that comes in. Yeah, God. He's I was too gonna say to everybody. This this was probably the episode that that kind of stood out to me was yeah. Rebel Without a Claws. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's interesting because Heathcliff has this moment where he comes to somebody's defense, beats right. up a bunch of alley cats, uh, like destroys them, pummels them, rescues this cat named Tracer. Tracer is. Probably, and I'll say this in Heathcliff's defense, he's Tracer's a little too energetic. He's clingy and eager. To, yeah, he and eager to reciprocate favors. In this token, though, Heathcliff then goes on this rampage of just trying to get rid of him to do anything possible to to get away from him. And it's you could just see how unhealthy I mean, for a cartoon about cats for kids and you would think that maybe friendship could potentially be because you see some of these cats are friends and they're not fighting cadillac cats heathcliff not fighting they could have maybe made a stronger message but heathcliff is just a dick through and through and i kind of get it because you can kind of see heathcliff's point up to a point because tracer like literally attaches himself to heathcliff which is like a creepy thing to do if you just made friends with someone through like a mutual like you know defended him on the playground or whatever like if that kid just like clung to your back <laughs> and then just like wanted you to carry him home and was like attached himself to you and like surgically grafted to you right. he'd probably be like this is fucking weird and you're really clingy and i need you to back up a lot oh god i should you know what i should probably apologize i'm sorry that i dressed up exactly like you for this podcast alex i'm <laughs> really embarrassed the weird thing is that you're both like nested onto each other in like the exact same pose i, I get that you're sharing one microphone but you don't you don't yeah, need I mean, that's how the studio is. One mic, one chair. <laughs> it's true. At least you're not shape-shifting true. into a bee or whatever the fuck. Like, there's that part in that episode, right, where Tracer is over Sonya's house and turning into... He's shape-shifting yeah. into... What was that? Is he... It looked like Cockadoodle, but as a cat. <laughs> is he... he was like Frankenstein for a second? Like, he kept... I don't know what this thing was. I don't was. think he was a... I don't think he's a cat. I'm assuming it was like no. an Elvis Presley, but he does not look like a cat. He looked like a goat no. fox. Like a donkey... Like a like a donkey thing. Like he looks like Happy the Horse from that sci-fi. Oh series. my god, he's like a yellow Happy the Horse. Yeah, I I definitely don't think Tracer's a cat. If Tracer the cat came or Tracer the whatever came into my house, I wouldn't be like, oh, look at this little thing. I'd be like, look at this little thing. <laughs> burn it with fire. <laughs> yeah, burn, what kill the it with fuck fire. is that? Yeah, but that's that's the other thing that like you can understand why Heathcliff is getting frustrated. Yeah, because Tracer is showing up everywhere he goes. So he's in Heathcliff's home, which is really the only time you get to see Heathcliff's kind of like owners and his family that he lives with. Yeah. They take Tracer in. And then he goes over to Sonia's and after he's done caterwauling, like Tracer's already schmoozing with Sonia. Yeah, he's already he's so, already in. He's slid into those DMs. He's already shapeshifting with Sonia. Yeah. It's Yeah. So like you you can see why he's upset, but then he literally tries to like run him out <laughs> on the railroad. <laughs> he softens up at a point. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw the gif that I sent around, but there's a yeah, really yeah, awkward yeah. bit of animation in this. Well, it looks like Tracer's jacking that one cat off. Yep. Yeah, yeah he's basically jacking off a train hobo uh, while Heathcliff's holding on to him. Well, it's was it Muscles, the junkyard dog, or was it the other the other mangy dog that was called Street Meat? <laughs> yeah, Street Meat. It was definitely Muscles. Yeah. He's jacking off a dog, a hobo dog named Muscles. Because if he was because jacking off Street kids. Meat, that would have been the better choice. <laughs> Yeah, it might have been. Street meets back in the old town now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, and then there's no resolution again. No, that's that. It kind of like there's no resolution. Closes on. out on that jerk off moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, which I mean, uh, it, it, like, it closes out normally, with like but... that uh, that shiatsu massage that mm. Tracer is giving yeah. Heathcliff, and he's like, "Hey, you missed a spot." <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, pin, "Oh, he's start, hole, finally starting to get tired." Like, <laughs> yeah. Did not need that. <laughs> it's super awkward all around. Well, all I'm trying to say is like, there's not one redeeming bit of <laughs> cell animation in any of this. I mean, is there anything that like stood out to you guys that you actually liked? I mean, the breakout scene was kind of fun. It was a fun little sequence. So that, but there wasn't much more to it than that. Kitty Cat Kennel. Yeah. Yeah. So that episode wasn't like they weren't doing anything bad. Riff yeah. raff. Well, I mean, the breakout, I guess, is kind of technically. Yeah, but illegal. the property damage. <laughs> the property damage was extreme and excessive. Okay, I want. I want. This is not animal abuse for a pack of dogs. I do not want to know. Like, what the fuck is this kennel? By the way, on the outside it looks like an army base, and on the inside it's literally like a motel. Like, there's rooms. It's like a posh a hotel. Yeah. For every fucking yeah. cat in there, it doesn't make any fucking <laughs> sense. Where are the humans? Like, where's the? Where is Cleo's owner? Where are any? Where's anybody? How how wealthy is she that she's like I'm gonna be stuck in this lavish hotel, and Riff Raff's like oh, I'm gonna come rescue you so you can hang out at a junkyard. <laughs> yeah, at, when she's like I'm moving away my options. <laughs> I'm being put into the kitty cat kennel, and when she says that, she's like she's doing this thing with her like arms and her face, and she's like oh, this looking like she wants to go there. I don't know. I also love the security on the kitty cat kennel, which is just like one door with a really heavy duty spring, spring on it. <laughs> And you see a person. You actually do see a person, and it's about this. There is one person, and it's about the size of Hector. Yeah. So I, I'm led to make zero sense. I'm led to believe that uh, these are giant cats that share the world with humans, unless it's Heathcliff. I will. I will say at least for that sequence, that was a fun idea. Yeah. Like she's being boarded. She doesn't want to. So they're like, all right, we'll do a jailbreak. It's a fun jailbreak kind of sequence, and then a bunch of like insanity kind of ensues. But again. Not real funny, just kind of like, all right, this is entertaining, I guess. But at least it wasn't as like patently offensive <laughs> or abusive as the other no. ones, really. You even have a but there Blanche... wasn't anything redeeming either. It was just like, okay, this is acceptable. Yeah. The, the Blanche Dubois cat, I guess, would be great for her parents. I've always with their depended kids. on the kindness of strangers. Exactly. Yeah, like, did we really, did we really that need that in the 80s as a cartoon character? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's something for the parents. Oh, yeah. What parent was watching Heathcliff and being like, Hey, that's how all cats treat other cats. Also, <laughs> Blanche Dubois. I wouldn't want my look. If I'm my kid's gonna watch Heathcliff, I'm watching it with them. Parents, parental supervision. <laughs> there you go. It's a good call. To teach them everything that's wrong with it. I also liked in the farm sequence at the end. I think uh, who was it? Orville offers Riff Raff uh, a straw, like a hay straw. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "No, nah, I'm trying to quit." And they like iris out on that. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Uh, they, uh, it, it, I love the fact that any Cadillac cat episode with Riff Raff, he always mugs to the camera, winks at the yeah. end of the episode, and then it just pinhole kind of zooms, wink, closes out. And you're like, why? It. Why did we need to break the fourth wall and mug? I don't think they ever knew what to do with any of these actual stories. They just had like an idea. They're like, that's the thing. Let's animate it. Done. Okay. And then we're out. New conspiracy idea. All right. Shoot. If this really reflects the idea of 50 writers in a room putting together fucking Heathcliff and the Cadillac cats, do you think this was like a fight club between 50 people or sort of like I a so. battle royale where they were like, look, somebody's going to write Heathcliff this month, but it's only going to be one of us. <laughs> And it's whoever is the last man standing. And that's how Heathcliff came into existence. I think it's probably that, but it's probably like whoever was the first to get knocked out or pass out is the one who had to write this week's episode. Oh, that makes more sense. 
I think it's probably that. <laughs> he was just bitter. And the angry. only redeeming thing in the entire uh, show that we watched for me was the brief glimpses of the Cadillac itself. Yeah. yeah. I remember in, in episodes, they actually do use it. Right. Yeah. Like, I remember really being fond of some episodes as a kid, but <laughs> this was not a fun trip to memory lane. These are not any of them. Uh, uh, do you guys have anything else from this before we get to recommendations? Um, I wanted to know which is the one that uh, was the most high, highly rated episode out of, out of these two. It was the Rebel Without a Clause slash uh, Farm Life Ain't For Me oh, or something. Oh, God, are you right. serious? Yeah, yeah, At a 7.4. The other one, the first episode that we watched, was like a 5.1. And that was the, that was the honestly, third highest ranked episode on IMDb. So that means that there is a second highest ranked IMDb episode that we did not watch for tonight. It's like a 6.4. <laughs> but honestly, like I don't see much of a difference between those two. So. <laughs> I mean, I liked the kennel episode the best because nobody's yeah, really sure. acting like a huge dick. And I thought that <laughs> Mongo basically hulking out and, yeah, and destroying the compound was super funny. But, uh, that was about yeah. it. Is that enough to save it? We'll find out in a All minute. Right. Well, before we get to our recommendations and reviews, yeah, you listening, you guys have comments and you guys have ideas and thoughts and wishes and dreams and you put them on that live journal of an internet thing and we scour it and pull in for this week's Love It or Hate It. And to help us out, we are going to turn it over to our buddy Bobby Anthem for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. Our Love It this week comes from Chris1993, 102-829-7254. On September 9th, 2014, in a post titled The Cadillac Cats, Part of My Childhood, Chris wrote, This show is a treasure from the past, a cartoon I really cherish from my childhood. The Cadillac Cats were funny and lovable. I remember growing up with it alongside other shows like Inspector Gadget and Heathcliff. They are all unforgettable cartoons that I will always hold dear. The show had such beauty. They certainly don't make cartoon shows like this anymore, which is really sad. The characters were fun and joyful, and the animation was gorgeous. The cast was brilliant and did an amazing job. I enjoyed every episode of this show, and I really miss it. This show was unique and had style. And our hated is really more like a didn't love it as much as that last guy. It's a post simply titled The Cadillac Cats. Submitted by Angry Beavers 13 on December 11th, 2004. This one says, This segment was the second half of the Heathcliff television series. It starred Riff Raff, a short, big, talking orange cat who lived in a junkyard, with his sidekicks, Hector, a Himalayan cat who schemed of himself being the boss, Wordsworth, a white cat that spoke in rhyme, and Mongo, a big, dumb, purple cat. Riff Raff's girlfriend, Cleo, lived in a music shop, and she is arguably one of the nicest-looking female cartoon characters ever. Many episodes revolved around Riff Raff trying to gain money to buy food or trying to buy something expensive for Cleo. Others involved the cats fighting off strangers or intruders that dare try to take over their junkyard. And why were these guys called the Cadillac Cats? They were cats that had a Cadillac car, but it didn't just drive around. It could morph into all kinds of things, a hovercraft, a trailer, a submarine, you name it. The Cadillac really was what made the show unique and is what held a child's interest. Sure, Heathcliff and the Cadillac cats were for kids, 
but I am 17 and I miss this show, particularly the Cadillac Cats. I found the Heathcliff segments very boring, and I wish they were back on TV. Yes, they are on DVD now, and that's wonderful, but only a handful of episodes are on DVD. And it would be more satisfying to see every episode released. That would make one of the world's greatest Christmas presents. Wonderful as always, Bobby Anthem. We love you, never hate you. Absolutely. Alex, we want to thank you again for joining us on the show, yes, and we're going to give you, you the first crack at a recommendation. So, Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats, do you recommend it? And if not, does it get the dip? If you dip it, that means it's erased from all existence for all time. Uh, mm. See, I feel like I, I, want, I, want, I don't want to erase it from existence because it's a really great example of how not to make a cartoon about cats. <laughs> <laughs> And um, <laughs> it does look great. Um, that's the best thing it's got going for. But I can't. I honestly would never be able to recommend Heathcliff to anybody who wants to watch something good. Fair enough. That's a no recommend, but a no dip. Is that right? Yeah, I can't. I can't erase it. I've I have too many bad memories watching this show that I don't want to erase. <laughs> So we're not eternal sunshine of the spotless minding this one. Sean, what about you? I, on the other hand, have relatively good memories of watching this. And tonight hmm. was kind of, was rather eye-opening to kind of recap and, and jump back into the world of Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats. I'm going to recommend this with a caveat. That you only, a with, with a caveat, that you only watch one episode and then you never watch it again. Whatever episode it is that you watch, you know, read a description, read a quick synopsis. It doesn't matter what it is. But I think in the case of Heathcliff and, and, and TCC, I think you only need one episode to get the point across, and then you never need to pick the show back up again ever. But you need that, you need that one. You need that one, like Alex said, to set that baseline. So you're just like, this is what you should never do with cats. This is not. It's like a really. Easy, <laughs> that's about as close to a not recommend I think as we've as we've got. For me, I'm not going to recommend it, but I'm not going to dip it. It's fine. It's not. Again, it's not patently offensive. It didn't make me want to throw things through the television. It just it exists. Uh, it's it's really pretty to look at sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the, the quality of the animation that actually went into it was probably well above and beyond what they needed to do. So it makes it kind of strange. <laughs> The writing team of 50 people, whatever fight club thing they had, just wasn't working. It's not great. You know, I can't recommend this to you. If you want to seek it out, go for it. But uh, I'm not going to push it. If you. I could recommend an episode that I remember sure. watching yeah. when I was a kid. Um, and this, this episode always, always fucked me up because uh, <laughs> this was basically a, an episode. Heathcliff, Heathcliff killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> they only heard it once. <laughs> uh Heathcliff's owner, the kid's grandpa. Yeah, he basically gets Ernest goes to jail, and <laughs> and gets switched with a like a, some guy who escaped from prison. Yeah. And that's an episode. What? And I thought that the episode ends with this new guy becoming the new grandpa. Yikes! And it fucked me up until I looked it up on Wikipedia like two months ago. Oh my god! And I was like, oh, thank God, it wasn't actually like. Prisoner grandpa at the end. 
What's crazy is that like there are some oh. plots like lifted lifted from movies or plots that like showed up later in movies. The weird thing about the one with Tracer was like it felt like What About Bob, oh my but God. with cats. I love What About Bob, which is weird to think that What About Bob came years like after the this. the what of uh, like the the Tracer scene where they're yeah. out having dinner on the porch and Tracer's yep. eating like a uh, ear of corn and he's like. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and he's also Bill Murray. Really weird. Yeah, really so weird. weird. What? And I mean, years before that movie yeah. came out. So what a strange uh, yeah. turn of events. Gosh, I should have gotten Lorenzo Music to do uh, to do that part, or, or Dave Coulier, I guess. Dave Coulier. Yeah. How about both? Just cut yeah. it out. Yikes. Well, that's what we're gonna have to cut out for tonight. So Alex, once again, thanks for joining us. Thank you. What are you up to in the real world? And if you want, where can the folks find you on social media? Okay, in the real world, you can find me. Uh, Every Tuesday or so uh, at Source Theater in Washington, D.C., playing with my Herald team uh, after Pi. Uh, every month at the Unified Scene Theater, I do a Star Wars-based show called Gravid Watto, where we take people who are super into Star Wars and improvisers that don't know anything about it, and we mix them together. <laughs> um, online, you can find me at Twitter, or on Twitter, at Dude Exclamation, all one word, and you can hear me weekly on the One Piece podcast, and uh, every month on Toho Yaro, a Japanese film club podcast. Fantastic, Sean. Yeah. What about you, bud? Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, and uh, about su- uh, reigning champion for Super Art Fight right now. That's right, Super Art Fight. Um, by the time this airs, uh, our show at the um, uh, Union Stage will have finished. But uh, every once in a while, we do shows at the Union Stage at the Wharf in DC. So check that out. Yeah, they are super super fun. I was at your show back in January where you won the title fight, and that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, as this air as this airs, I will still be the champion. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, cool. Hey, everybody. I perform live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. And I'm always on Meowstagram and Catter at Sean Paul Ellis. I hope those are actual apps by the time this airs. They probably will be, but with no vowels. Damn it. (laughs) <laughs> as for me you can find me on twitter at dr claw md you can also find me on collider.com nerdist.com and dave trumbore.com for more on this little show right here we'd love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com slash saturday morning cartoons remember that's morning with a u you can find out all our other contact points over there and you can also find how you can support this little show uh, if you'd like to reach out on twitter you can do so at morning tunes on facebook you can keep that conversation going and we'd love it if you would And you can listen to this free audio podcast, now monetized, thanks a lot, YouTube, on YouTube, (laughs) iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And guess what? We're also on Spotify. Yeah. If you want to reach out directly, like, uh, Garb? Yeah, the Garb. Garb, right? At the Garb. Garb. At the Garb. I almost called you the Grab. Nope. Apologies. Woof. Woof. (laughs) And also apologies for taking apart Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats. But if you want to respond, you can do so at email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. We're going to keep Listener Appreciation Month going all month long, because that's how months work. What's coming up next, Sean? Oh, are we giving that away? Sure. Oh, God. Uh, it is... We're doing Code Lyoko. Code Lyoko. I have. I actually remember this one, but I, I can't so. tell you anything about it. I, I think it was like kids that sort of... It was like an animated version of like yeah. Beetleborgs or something like where the, it was like kids that look like spiders kid, and then they look like computer yeah. spiders and that's all I can remember. It was like they it was sort of like reboot it was like the the new version of reboot but all CGI animated and decent. Ouch. Yeah. 
Take that. Take that new reboot. Well, that's where we're going to leave it for this week. So, Alex, once again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. If you want to come back for Spider Kids next week, just let us know because <laughs> that's where we'll be. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. <laughs> Spider Kids. Spider Kids. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.